Hi, I'm Genevieve Coe. I'm a deputy editor and columnist at NYT Cooking. And I think the only other thing I might love as much as food is the ocean. I love being in the ocean, so I'm trying to learn how to surf, both around the beaches in my native Southern California and also in the beaches around here in New York City in the Rockaways. But if I had to choose where I could really learn how to surf, it would definitely be Hawaii. (laughs) I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that turns to chefs and home cooks with a big question in mind. What is their one? That recipe that may have started off simple, but has grown and changed into their anywhere, anytime meal of choice. This week, we're having an incredibly sweet conversation about a favorite savory breakfast with Genevieve Co. Genevieve is a deputy editor and columnist for the New York Times food section and the author of Better Baking. She's also co-authored cookbooks with food world heavyweights like Carla Hall, Mark Bittman, Pache Ong, Jean George, and more. But prestige aside, she's also the type of person whose kitchen you just want to nestle into and talk for hours with. To really understand, you got to hear for yourself. So here she is. Genevieve, hello. Hi, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's I'm so happy to be here. You say that like you haven't been working with all of these like culinary heavyweights, you know, being the go-to co-author for how many cookbooks <laughs> now? I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't count boy math and everything. How many cookbooks uh, have you written and co-authored? Gosh, um... <laughs> You know, at last count, it was over 20. I think I've co-authored about a dozen, but then for many years, it was just constantly writing and writing and putting stuff out there. It's always this weird question where people are like, 20? I haven't seen your name. I'm like, no, no, no. My name is not on all 20. <laughs> you're, you're the angel overlooking so many chefs, <laughs> keeping them from, That's, that's you know. such a nice way of thinking of it. I think I tend to feel more like I'm like the little, like, mouse hiding in the corner like making things happen <laughs> but, <laughs> another thing that's always felt so striking to me about your work has also just been how compassionate your recipe development is even beyond some of the logistics right you're always Aww. thinking about the reader at home who has the empty fridge the long to-do list <laughs> and <laughs> a growling stomach on top of it all so oh, how do you think so- your approach to cooking and writing has blossomed over the course of these 20 books and stints at Gourmet Magazine, uh, LA Times, and the New York Times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, how things change. I think what what you said is so true. I think I've always approached this from this perspective of... Um, how can I help? Like, how can I help you? <laughs> how can I help you have a really good meal at home? Um, and what is asking too much? Um, I, of course, want people to experiment, to try, of course, to try new ingredients, new techniques. But I'm also really mindful of time and exhaustion and um, intimidation, I think, is another thing that I think a lot about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, cooks have so many varied um, levels and so in some cases with some chef books I haven't changed a thing all I've done is converted it into 
um, recipes that, that work in terms of, you know, the proportions and the numbers and then written, obviously, um, written the recipes as full recipes out of a chef's shorthand mm-hmm. because I know that there are cooks out there, actually including chefs, who buy these books to learn these dishes and, and have that capability. But most of my work is really meant for home cooks. Um, and of course, even if you love cooking, that doesn't mean that you've done it professionally or, again, that you have the time or the energy to do it. And so, yeah, um, yeah so that's just what I always think about, like, is this step, is this extra ingredient, is this flourish, is that going to, um, you know, really like pay off in the end? Like it's, you know, it's, a, it's like a yeah. business term, but like what's your return on investment? And the, the investment is not just like the cost of the ingredient, but like the cost of your time or of having to wash your blender. <laughs> like, is it worth it? And sometimes it is. And sometimes it is. And we'll be like, hey, this is worth it. And other times it's like, well, you don't have to garnish with like finely chopped dill. If you know, if you don't have finely chopped dill, like that's okay. <laughs> like this will still be really tasty. I think when people read recipes, they really take them very seriously. So I always want to throw in that like optional, if it's truly optional, so that people know like it's okay. Like the dish will still be great without it. I know that you have gotten this question so many times, but in the course of the books and the projects that you take on, do you typically have a vision for? exactly what the outcome will look like? Or do you more take on projects that pique your fancy and you're just curious to see where they end up? Yeah, I think, you know, the one vision that's really consistent is how do I help this person connect with people who are reading the book, Um, whether or not they ever cook the recipes at all. I mean, in an ideal world, of course, they cook the recipes, but sometimes it's just getting to know them, right? Like, how do you tell this story? Um, And sometimes the story is not necessarily... Uh, a personal one, right? It's not necessarily memoirish, but sometimes it's the story of a cuisine. It's a story of um, a journey. It's, you know, something that really um, changes the way someone can think about the world or experience the world through food. And with each book, it just sort of depends on who that person is or what that story is. Yeah. So I, I, that's how I often think of it. Yeah. I love to do, I love to work on um, both on books and, and even our work here at the Times, right? I love to like Gosh, tell the stories that um, will really help people just learn more about the world. And that's, you know, a huge part of what I love is just helping people, like, feel excited about something new or about something old. Right. <laughs> that too. Yeah, sometimes it's something is... really old, and that's that's all often really exciting, too. So I have grilled you enough about everyone else's recipes and <laughs> other people's cookbooks and things you've done for everyone else. Now I want to know, what is your one recipe? Well, the one recipe that I <laughs> turn to time and time again on these, like, you know, I'm saying like these quick between meeting meals or even on these nights when I rush home and I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to make is what um, I called at home when I was growing up, Don Bang. Um, but a loose translation would be a scallion egg wrap. And Ooh. so, yeah, so this is possibly the first, is it possibly the first savory recipe I ever made or learned when I was definitely younger than 10? Um, I still remember I learned it from this cooking class that we had at my um, at my church. And my church is a, a Chinese-American church, and it was very much my community that I grew up in. And so... Um, so my friends and I were almost all sort of the first generation, not sort of, but we were, uh, the first generation born in the U S to parents who had, um, immigrated, um, mainly from Hong Kong and Taiwan, 
Um, and we had this cooking class, I remember, and it was, I still remember, Auntie Carol. Uh, so we called all, we called everyone Auntie yeah, and Uncle, even though they're not, you know, our, our blood relatives. So Auntie Carol taught us this class, and, and what she did is beat some eggs, uh, put that into um, a skillet, basically with a tortilla, so that the egg cooked into the tortilla. And it was just this dish that was so fun and that we all loved making, we loved eating, and it bore some resemblance to um, to the more traditional Taiwanese version, um, as well as a, a northern Chinese version, where you actually cooked the egg onto a crepe, like on a homemade crepe. But, but we were just using a tortilla, like one, because we were small children, but almost all of us had actually um, had this dish at home and grown up eating this dish at home. And so it was really this merging of um, cultures, I think, out of convenience and out of location, too. So this was in um, a town city called Monterey Park in Los Angeles, and it borders East L.A. And so when I was growing up, my whole community was primarily uh, Asian-American and also Mexican-American, just given where we were. And so our supermarkets, um, both, you know, the the quote-unquote, I don't know what I'm saying, quote-unquote, <laughs> both the Asian markets as well as the Mexican markets, as well as like the just big old chain supermarkets, like carried a lot of the ingredients that we all used. And it wasn't really something that we thought too much about in terms of mixing things up, like using a tortilla in place of a homemade crepe uh, for, this, for this egg dish. And it's just been a dish that has stayed with me to this very day. One, because... I, I mean, I think really if you set a timer, I make it in less than five minutes. You said five minutes, but... No, it really is. Okay, so here's what I'll do. I, I take my tortilla <laughs> and my eggs out of the fridge. Uh, I get a skillet going, you know, I and while the skillet, even as the skillet's heating up, I don't even wait for the skillet to get hot. I just throw the tortilla in there first. So just throw the tortilla in there dry because I want to take the chill off from the fridge and also to make it nice and soft and pliable. And so I'll just have the tortilla in there, flip it for 30 seconds, a minute, just so that it's warm and not so stiff and, and hard. And then I will, in the simplest version, I will absolutely just add some oil to the pan and I'll crack uh, the egg, an egg or two, depending on the size of your tortilla. So like one egg for a smaller tortilla, you know, two for a bigger one. I'll crack the eggs right in there. And while they're in there, I'll take a uh, chopsticks or spatula or fork and actually break them up in the pan so that they're a little swirly. Yeah. So not totally scrambled, um, but swirly. So you have some streaks of white, um, but most of it is, you know, a sunny yellow color and then a few maybe darker pockets of yolk. And I'll let that set in a round. So I'll swirl it around to form a round about the same size as the tortilla that I'm using. And then once the bottom of that is set, but the top is still quite wet, I'll smack that tortilla right over the eggs. And I'll let it sit there for, you know, another 30 seconds or a minute so that I know that now the egg, as it's been cooking and the heat is rising up in that egg, it's fusing to the tortilla. And then I'll go ahead and flip the whole thing. So when you flip it, the egg, um, especially if you're using like a well-seasoned cast iron pan or a nonstick skillet, it'll, it'll just flip really easily. And then I'll warm up the tortilla side um, just a little bit more. And then and then that's a matter of personal preference, right? Like I like it so it's still just maybe tiny spots here and there where it's a bit crackly. Mm -hmm. um, but some people like it until it's like crisp. And, and at that point, right, you could if you wanted... Add more oil. You can even add a little sesame oil if you want to give it both flavor and crispness. Um, 
or you just take it right out of the pan and then you fold it any which way you want. You know, you can fold the tortilla just in half in triangles. You could roll it. Um, and that's like the barest bone version. It's nice with some sauce, right? Like I sometimes will just Always. have it straight up like that. Oh, I forgot to mention seasoning the egg. Sorry. After you've swirled <laughs> the egg around, definitely give good. it some salt. Yeah, definitely give it some salt. If you want pepper, you know, um, black pepper is not for everyone, but, you know, you can give it salt and pepper. Then no, it's super important because if you don't season the egg at that point, then oh, it it's will a be unseasoned. <laughs> it's <laughs> then a different thing altogether. An unseasoned egg. And all of that cooking process is happening over medium heat, right? So it's all yep. super yep. gentle, fast yeah, enough yeah, yeah. to quickly cook the egg and fuse it to the yeah, tortilla. Yeah, yeah. Short yeah. enough that you yeah. don't have to, you know, stand over it waiting yeah, yeah, yeah. for the connection. Yeah. So where do the scallions get in? So that is like the super, super bare bones version. Um, If you want to throw scallions in there, which I love to do, I actually will do the scallions and the oil before I add the eggs. Because I want the scallions to um, get a little singed. So I'll sizzle the scallions and oil a little bit, then I'll add the egg. And then I'll I'll, um, do the rest, you know, put the tortilla on, flip it over. So you'll have that like you know, that lovely aroma from the scallions. And at that point, if you wanted to really make it closer to something that's called a jianbing, which is a northern Chinese specialty, at that point, you could drizzle it with um, a chili, like a a fermented chili paste that's very common Mm -hmm. in northern Chinese cuisine. Um, A close thing would be hoisin, which is a little more readily available. Um, But that's a very strong flavor, so you only want to put a tiny bit of that. If you're into heat, you can absolutely do whatever chili sauce, chili crisp you want. Um, And the other thing that is very common in those cuisines um, are like fried wonton strips. Uh, You can, yes, sprinkle fried wonton strips in there. You can actually add lettuce in there as well. That's also very common, like a crunchy lettuce, like romaine that's been sliced. So a jianbing is basically what I'm describing, but usually, again, it's like a homemade crepe. Um, And so the texture you're getting is actually soft and tender from the outside into like the crunchiest crunch on the inside. Does that make sense? Like the outside might have a little, yeah, it might have a little bit of that like crackly edge from the outside of the tortilla. Um, But then once you get to the middle, you have all this crunch. So that's like a full meal version of this dish. Oh, and that's perfect. From there, you can wrap it up like a burrito. You can cut it into triangles. You can just fold it in half. You can roll it. You can, yeah. This is such a perfect meal, and I have just enough time to go and make one now. Genevieve, thank you so much for sharing this recipe with me and just coming on to the show. Oh, Jesse, thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you. Genevieve Coe is a cookbook author and a deputy editor and columnist at the New York Times food section. You can find that recipe for her scallion egg wrap on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. And hey, if you liked what you heard, like and subscribe. It makes a world of difference. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Maria Wortel, technical director Derek Ramirez, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic.